0: read the book of Ephesians multiple times this weekend. It's very doable and it's completely worth it to go through and look at all these things. And we're actually going to talk through today some of my favorite scriptures in the book of Ephesians, just kind of in the whole book. So I don't have a slideshow, so you guys get to use your paper Bibles today, but I will read the scriptures out loud. So we're going to start off in Ephesians chapter 2. And like I said, we're going to look through some of my favorite scriptures in Ephesians, and I'm going to talk through kind of how they've come alive in my life, right? So we're talking about come alive in this retreat, but also these scriptures come alive when we really start to live them out. So Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And you're going to hear that scripture a lot this weekend, right? Because it's this idea of being made alive in Christ. And I think this scripture is such a great example of God's love for us. He's not willing to leave us dead in our sins and transgressions, but he wants us to be made alive in our relationship with him. But I think especially for women, one of the things that we struggle with most to getting to this point where we're made alive is our ability to surrender our plans to God, right? We want to get rid of that old self, But then we want to live our new self our way. And we forget that God wants us to live His way, and that He has great plans for us in that. So today what we're going to focus on is looking through some of these scriptures in Ephesians, and I just want to talk to you guys about big moments of surrender in my life. Moments where I didn't know how it was going to work out, and I didn't know if I actually wanted to surrender, but how God came through in the end and helped me to see these scriptures come alive. And I want to talk about some of the secrets of surrender. Not just the secret of how to surrender, but some of the secrets that are out there of what you get when you surrender. Because I think we can often feel like surrender is just us giving up a lot, and we don't realize we're getting a lot from God as well. So we're going to talk about those secrets of surrender, but our main idea today is going to be putting our plans in God's hands. You guys with me for that? Yeah. Awesome. So the first set of plans we're going to talk about that are hard for us to surrender as women is our partner plans. Right? I'm like, we always got to start talking about the guys. That's just, it's such a big thing in our lives. And I think especially for women, when we think about who we want to be with for the rest of our lives, it's really hard to trust God. It's really hard to trust that he has a plan out there. It's really hard to trust this big God that we can't see with this cute guy we can see is right in front of us. But learning how to surrender in our partner plans is huge. And I think for me, I, I typically had a good confidence that God had a guy out there for me. But I didn't always live like that in the day-to-day. I kind of figured I'm going to go about my plans and God's just going to lay the guy in front of me and he's probably going to be the one that I already picked for myself, right? Because that's just how we think it works. But in my time of many things with different guys, I have realized and come to a conviction that there's more than one perfect guy for every girl. That's different than what you typically hear. I do believe... That there's a perfect guy that god has picked out for us one who's going to sweep us off our feet who's going to pursue us with reckless abandon one that's going to lead us spiritually and love us and make our lives incredible but i also think there's at least one and maybe more than one guy that satan has picked out for you a perfect guy to distract you to discourage you and to deter you from God's plan for you. And Satan knows what he's doing. This guy will have just enough of the qualities that you're looking for. He's going to seem like just enough of the partner that you've planned for yourself to be incredibly distracting and to cause you to settle for less than God wants for you. And I've been with that guy many times over, and I think it's really tricky when we see that guy because he seems really great. And he seems like there's enough about him that you're like, maybe this is God. Maybe this is something that he's working in. And, and the guy, the main guy I was with, he's not like from Satan, right? He's not like this super bad guy. He's just the guy that Satan picked to be the one who would distract me, right? And I think most of us have like an ex-boyfriend or two out there that we can think about like, yeah, he's distracting. He distracted me from God. Maybe you have some ex-flings. Like guys who weren't super serious but you were really flirtatious with, also a distraction and a perfect situation to deter you from God. I personally have all those things, ex-boyfriends, ex flings but I have an ex-saga. Like I dated the same guy three different times for a total of over five years, and it was over a span of nine years. And we almost got married twice. I'm gonna talk to you guys about learning to surrender <laughs> a saga, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. So, me and this guy, we originally dated round one when we both weren't Christians. And most of that time was just we were building a great friendship. We were young, we were friends, our relationship was pure. I was too terrified to do anything else. But I think no matter where you're at in a relationship, we can lose our identities in a guy. And I became that insecure girl. I put way too much stock in what he thought of me, how I acted around him. I let go of all of my friends in order to be close to him. And it changed a lot of who I was, just trying to impress him. And I decided that when I wanted to really go after my relationship with God and study the Bible, I was probably going to have to give this guy up. And so round one, the decision to break up was a little bit easier. I was like, okay, I need to put God first. This guy is definitely first in my life, and so I should probably break up with him in order to go after my relationship with God. And it was a really good move. And if it had ended there, it would have saved me a lot of strife and a lot of sin and about enough tears to fill a small pond, right? If that had been where I ended, God could have really moved a lot earlier in my life. But I think that's one of the tricky things about surrender Right? It's when we make the first move to surrender to God. And we feel pretty confident about where we're at. We're like, okay, I've put it out there for God. But that's just where Satan wants to sneak in. He wants to sneak in when you think you've surrendered. But miss the fact that surrendering is an active daily decision in your relationship with God. So many of us can think, I made this one decision, so of course I've surrendered to God. But it's really different when you do it on a daily basis. And God wants us to realize that he wants to give us great lives, but he wants us to actively go after surrendering our lives to him. And really, I think what's tricky is Satan wants us to think that we've given our lives to God when we're really holding something back in our hearts. We're really actually afraid to give it all over to him. That we've given a lot, but we've held something back. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 17 through 24. I'm going to go ahead and start reading for time's sake. It says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They were darkened; they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they, were given, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. And that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. And you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And this scripture, it like scares me and it convicts me. But it's a perfect description of where I ended up in round two of my relationship. So after a few years of being a Christian, right, I had learned the way of Christ. I had learned the way Jesus wanted me to live. And I went about that for a few years in a really strong way. But after a couple years, I decided to start dating the same guy again. We, like, became friends again, and it really quickly turned into a dating relationship. So we just picked our friendship back up, and we also picked up a lot of other stuff. We picked up a lot of sinful things. And our relationship got really impure really fast. And I realized I was living in the futility of my thinking. And I was darkened in my understanding. I started twisting scriptures that had always convicted me, but now they made me feel guilty. So I just started twisting them to try to mean something else so I wouldn't feel so guilty about my sin. Verse 19 says, having lost all sensitivity... They gave themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they were full of greed. And that's a really great description of my sinful relationship with this guy. And he wasn't a Christian, which at first kind of meant something to me, and as we went on, I didn't care as much. But he couldn't lead me spiritually. He did not lead me in our purity. And and it ended up being that I was once super sensitive to these scriptures that God had in the Bible to tell me how to live my life. And all of a sudden, in my sin, I just lost all my sensitivity to God. I lost what he really wanted for me. So I gave myself over to a completely impure relationship, indulging in every kind of impurity. But I was also greedy. And I don't mean greedy like all of a sudden I was really greedy about money. I mean I was greedy in my heart with God. I was greedy keeping my plans from him, keeping my desires from him, keeping my devotion and commitment from him. And I want to ask you guys, what are you being greedy about in your relationship with God? What plans, desires, relationships are you holding back from him and not wanting to share or give it over to God? I can tell you the sin and impurity from that relationship, it still haunts me. Like I literally still have nightmares about the things I did in that time. And Satan wants something like that to hold over your head for the long time. And so if we can't learn how to surrender our partner plans... God's not going to be able to work in all the ways that he wants to in our life. But this scripture says you were taught to put off your old way of life, your former way of life, and your old self. So what are the things about your old life that you've picked back up, that you've decided you don't want to put off anymore? Are you still living in the futility of your thinking? Maybe you haven't even surrendered to God in the first place. This would be a good time to go after the new self and not just stick to your old self. But it says God wants us to be made new in the attitudes of our minds, to put on the new self, to be created in God and His true righteousness and holiness. And I want to encourage you, if you've been baptized, do you remember feeling made new at your baptism? Because I didn't make this decision in my relationship to end up in an impure spot right after I got baptized. But when you let go of the feeling of being made new, when you forget that you've been given a new life, you slip back into your old one pretty easily. And here's the important thing to know about this saga of a relationship. I had the perfect Southern plan with this guy. We graduated from high school, sat down and talked with both sets of our parents about getting married, and we had a whole budget planned out. How are we gonna go to college, be married, work part-time jobs and live? And thankfully, our parents asked us to wait one year. God can do a lot in one year. Thank you so much. (laughs) But I realized in that year that this couldn't be the relationship that God had planned for me. He couldn't have planned a relationship where I would be this impure and this insecure. He couldn't have planned for me to be a guy that I was, be with a guy that I was always worried about impressing. He wouldn't be really, like this guy wouldn't be really sold on me and God wouldn't plan for me to be with a guy who couldn't lead me spiritually. And so, I did a lot of crying and got a lot of input and decided we needed to break up. Round two, right? We ended round two. And we actually saved our friendship in that time, which was great. And he actually became a Christian a month later. So, amen. God's working when you choose to surrender your partner plans. But a few years later, we decided to go round three, right? And we had a weird plan. Because we had already dated multiple times, we had already almost gotten married... So we decided we'd take one year, we were both Christians, and we would just kind of pseudo-date. Guys, this is a stupid plan. (laughs) Don't ever do this with a man. If he can't decide to like actually date you, he's definitely not God's plan for you, okay? But we decided to do the pseudo-dating thing. So we were like together, and we were just gonna take a year to figure out if we were gonna get engaged, but not like really date in the middle. Thankfully, yeah, stupid, like I said. But thankfully, we were pure in this relationship, and I was so grateful that I got to save that part. But this weird year left me super insecure again, and so I decided to start reading this book, Secure in Heart, and about three chapters in, yeah, it's a good one, change your life, I decided to break up with this guy for the third time, right? And round three I figured it's either like third time's the charm and it's really going to work out or it's third strikes you're out and that's what happened, it was struck out and it was interesting because at the end of our relationship God was starting to make things really clear I wanted to go after my PhD in biochemistry and was graduating from college but my program didn't have a, a school where this guy was living and this guy wasn't willing to move to be with me in my program so I was like clearly God doesn't want us together Now, there's some interesting pieces of that that I'll share later on. But I think what's interesting is when you're willing to sacrifice your partner plans, what you get from God is a sensitive self. You get sensitivity to the way that God wants you to live. You become aware of his scriptures. They come alive in your life. You get all these blessings, but become sensitive to the way that God wants you to live. And you get yourself back. Too many women lose their identity in a man, and we cannot expect for God to be working and passionate and filling our lives to more than we could imagine when we're lost in a guy. But we have to be willing to sacrifice our partner plans in order to actually get this sensitive self. What's interesting was about a month after I ended with this guy the third time, was my first date with my husband Brian Campbell. And I was blown away. I had never met a man like him. And our relationship was full of crazy twists and turns. But I had never been so pursued by a man. I'd never had a guy treat me so well. And I had never been so fully convinced that a guy wanted to be with me. But it wasn't just because Brian was awesome. Because I'd also never been with a man who was that in love with God. And I'd never been with a man who loved God more than he loved me. And I can have great confidence in that kind of a relationship with God. I'd never been with a man who would lead me so close to God, who trusted I trusted his righteousness and I trusted him to protect me as well. And I found a guy that I wanted to be on his team. I wanted to be his biggest cheerleader and his greatest fan and to follow him to the ends of the earth, which I have done. But I found something so much better than I ever could have imagined. I found the perfect guy that God had planned when I finally was willing to give up the perfect guy that Satan would use to distract me. And Brian and I's relationship wasn't perfect, but it was pure, and it was passionate, and it was full of pursuing God's plans for our lives. And I think that was the exciting part. When I was finally willing to sacrifice my partner plans, God gave me this sensitive self that I could be so close to God and fall in love with a righteous guy at the same time. So it's amazing when we think of how God can work, but what are the partner plans you need to surrender to get a sensitive self? What are the plans you're living out now, but you've lost sensitivity to God's plan for you? And what are the plans you're living now, but you've lost your identity in someone or something else that's keeping you from being close to God? So the first one was partner plans. The second type of plans we're going to talk about surrendering and putting in God's hands is your professional plans. All right. We can have some great professional plans. And I want you to do great in school. Do not fail for Jesus. Do not start skipping school because you're like, I'm surrendering my plans. But some of us have so many plans that we lose the plan that Jesus has laid out for us right? We lose this ability to go after God. Some of us are so focused on our professional plans that we don't go to midweek or we don't go to Bible talk or we stop reading our Bible every day because I have homework to do. Homework ain't going to get you to heaven. Okay. The Bible is, but some of us are so stuck in our professional plans that we cannot see what God has laid out for us. So do well, that is very important, but do well for God first and then do well for God in school. Right? So we're going to talk about sacrificing our professional plans. So I was a girl with a lot of plans. I went to college with a four-page spreadsheet of every class I would take in each semester and how it would all pan out. None of that worked, but that's okay. So I went to school with a full tuition scholarship for biology education. And you know, sometimes our professional plans change. So I went in for biology education, Changed to chemistry education, changed to just chemistry. Then I decided to transfer schools, which, you know, always does some interesting things to your professional plans. But I decided to go on the mission team to Clemson. Go Tigers, yes? Just so you guys know, I've been graduated for a while, but I wear my dinner class ring every single day. Every day, it's awesome. It's like, you know, so classy, so you can wear it all the time. But I decided to transfer to Clemson, and thankfully, Clemson had a biochemistry degree. And that's what I really wanted to study. feel like, biology and chemistry come together. That's what I wanted to go after. But the trick when I transferred is that I could transfer my classes, but I couldn't transfer my GPA. And that's hard when you've been in school for two and a half years already. You've padded your GPA with a lot of A's from a lot of general education classes. And then you go to a new university that was much harder. And it just had my majors classes, like that's all I needed to graduate. But I had done research before, when I was at my previous university, and I knew that's part of what I needed to get in to my PhD program. So I wanted to figure out a way to like hold strong in my relationship with God, because I was on the mission team, wanted to see God do amazing things there, which he did. In The two years I was at Clemson, the campus ministry went from one, me and Jesus, but, you know, um, to a campus ministry of 28 when I graduated. God did incredible things. But the hard part was when I transferred to Clemson and I didn't have this GPA, I ended up in this experimental math class. One of those were like, the professor made up the class and he wrote the textbook. And he's the only one you can get tutoring from because no one knows what's going on. And I went to him and I got tutoring and I failed the class. And so I went from being on the dean's list in my previous university to being on academic probation my first semester in Clemson. That'll wreck your professional plans, right? But I think what was amazing was God put me in a position where I felt so weak that all I could do was go to him. All I could do was surrender those professional plans and see what he had in store for me. And this is one of my favorite scriptures. It's in Ephesians 3. It's 16 through 21, but I'm going to start with just 16 through 19. So I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I read the whole thing, actually. And in this time, academic probation, on a brand new mission team, there was a lot of other struggles, but we don't have time to get into all that. But I needed God's glorious riches to strengthen me. I needed God's spirit to strengthen me. And I love that he says he may strengthen you with power. That we don't have to function in our own power. We can be strengthened in God's power. And I needed for Christ to dwell in my heart through faith. I needed faith when I could not tell what was going on. And one of the things I love about this scripture is it says that this love, the love that we're trying to grasp, how amazing and incredible it is, this love surpasses knowledge and you gain a lot of knowledge in college and it's an incredible time and you learn a lot but you cannot gain something better than Christ's love in college and this love surpasses knowledge and I think that's one of the things that helped me most because though I felt incredibly weak I decided I can have some faith in God's love I can see what will happen and so I applied to be a part of this research program And God just moved in crazy ways. One, this research professor didn't accept anyone who didn't have a 4.0 into his lab. I did not have a 4.0, I was on academic probation. But he saw my previous research experience, so he decided to give me a shot. So I got into this research program. And then God's given me this great gift, which not a lot of people know about by just looking at me, but I'm actually half Hispanic. My My mom moved here. Uh, When she was 16, my dad taught her how to speak English. They got married because my mom was getting deported. And I was a first-generation college student. So I had some of these minority pieces going for me. And I ended up applying for the Howard Hughes Medical Institute Minorities Program. And Howard Hughes Medical Institute is the largest private research organization in the US. And they're, they're pretty selective. So I applied for this program, and it was a long shot. Because I was retaking this math class, but my GPA was not going to be a 4.0. It was not going to be super competitive. And there was a two-step acceptance. You had to get accepted into the program, and then you had to get specifically accepted into a lab. So first, God moved in incredible ways, because I got accepted into the program. I felt blown away. And my research professor at Clemson was like, what did you do? There was no way that you were going to get this And I was like, I prayed a lot. And he's like, that's not science. I don't know what to do with that, right? So I was like, well, it worked for me. So, then I had applied to a specific lab, and loving science and research, I just looked at the labs and what they studied and picked my favorite one. But I did not do a lot of research on the guy who led the lab that I had applied number one to. And turns out, he was a Nobel laureate, She's so he's Nobel Prize winner. And he's the former president of Howard Hughes Medical Institute. He had been president for 12 years and had just stepped down and he accepted one student a summer. Why did I pick him? As the like main person, I was like, I was putting my eggs in that basket. And my Clemson research professor was so frustrated because he was like, you were supposed to like scoot in at the bottom. You didn't have a good GPA, you weren't competitive. Why'd you pick one of the hardest labs to get into? But you know what? I prayed a lot. And not only did I get accepted into that lab, amen, God moved, they allowed me to come two weeks early to start my program. This is in Boulder, Colorado. This was my first way to get to Colorado. And after five weeks of my summer internship that I got to start two weeks early, I was offered a full-time job when I graduated. Amazing! And when I came back and told my research professor at Clemson what had happened, he literally sat me down in his office and he was like, what did you do? And I was like, I prayed. And he was like, okay, take out a paper and pencil right now. And I was like, oh no, what's going to happen? He gave me a list of everything he wanted me to pray for in his professional plans to help this come true, right? So i like, God's power, it can blow people away. God can do amazing things. And I love That in the second half of this scripture, it talks about you can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, and that He's able to do immeasurably more than what we could ask or imagine. And I was already experiencing that. But are you letting His power work in your life? Are you willing to trust God with your professional plans? Are you willing to let His power work instead of settling for your own power? And after working in the internship in Boulder, so I, like, I moved there after I graduated. I graduated in December. moved there in January. And I met Brian, we were kind of like building a relationship. But I was interviewing for graduate schools to go get my PhD. And I had to decide by April 15th where I would go. And God blew me away again. Because I got full ride offers to CU Boulder, where I was at, cool, Duke, and Chapel Hill, which people thought I was crazy for applying to both, but I did both, and God gave me both. And Yale and Johns Hopkins. Yeah. Amazing! This is wow. the girl who, like, failed classes, right? God can do amazing things. And on top of full-ride offers, I was offered up to $35,000 a year to pay for my research. Like, they were going to pay me. So I had a great plan. My professional plan was fantastic. I was going to get my PhD. I was going to live like a broke college kid. And I was going to pay off all my student loans. Because moving to Clemson was this great thing, but it was out of state and it was very expensive. So I had over $80,000 in student loans, but my plan seemed perfect financially and professionally. But in the midst of all these acceptances, Brian and I had really fallen for each other. And all of a sudden the position to lead full-time in the ministry opened up for me to lead with him. And I had no idea what to do. And if it wasn't hard enough, to decide, do I want my PhD, or do I want the ministry, I was then awarded the National Science Foundation Graduate Fellowship, which was basically $30,000 a year to go to any school you wanted to. Like, I didn't apply to Harvard, but my Clemson research professor was like, you can go. They'll accept you, because you come with your own research money. They don't have to like, actually invest in the money in you. And so what was I going to do? You know? And I felt like this is the first time in my life where I had already been surrendering my professional plans to God and he was starting to make them come alive in incredible ways. He was giving me free will. I felt like he would totally bless if I went into the ministry and he would totally bless if I went into the PhD world. And so it was my choice. But it was my choice because I'd been surrendering my plans, right? And I decided after a lot of praying and a lot of fasting and a lot of crying that I was going to go for the ministry. I had always wanted to go into the full-time ministry. I had never even been offered like an internship, like a part-time internship, being a student. None of ever done any of that. So the fact that I could work with Brian in this incredible church and be trained by some of the best campus trainers in the world was like amazing to me. So in order to decide that, I had to give up the National Science Foundation Graduate Fellowship and I had to try to defer for a year. But the school I wanted to go to, my like top pick, I'll leave that a secret. It, but they would let me defer. I'd have to reapply the next year. So I deferred at a different school, and I just knew that God would take care of it. And I finished my job in the science lab after three months, joined Brian in the ministry, and seven months later we got engaged, and three months after that we got married. And I was like, this is a whirlwind of a year, right? I, like, gave up all this stuff, but I also got my dream life. And it, it's been more fulfilling than I could have ever imagined. And I think that's the thing that amazes me. Is that when we're willing to give up our professional plans and let God lead us in our professional plans, he gives us surpassing satisfaction. A life better than we could have ever imagined. Like Brian and I have been able to help so many people become Christians. We've been able to train. I love traveling. We've traveled the world. We've been to Thailand twice. Cambodia, South Africa, we spent this last summer in Scandinavia, training people from Sweden, Norway, Iceland, Finland, Estonia, Denmark, all kinds of things. But God has done amazing things because I was willing to surrender. And it was not easy, right? And I think this is the thing that we have to start realizing is that when we're willing to put our plans in God's hands, he gives us a secret of surrender. He gives us a treasure to hold in our heart. And my treasure in this has been surpassing satisfaction. So will you decide to trust him with your professional plans? Will you decide to give them over to him and see what he can do? And you go after it, right? I, I didn't get those things because I just sat at home studying, you know, Netflix. And then decided, hopefully God will work out something, right? But I had to continually pray and get advice and seek after God's will. So we're going to land with this third one. When we surrender our partner plans and our professional plans, we also have to learn to surrender our personal plans. And our personal plans are hard, right? Because yeah, we have a personal desire for a guy we have a personal desire for a job, but it's different when we're trying to surrender the secret desires of our heart, right? When we're trying to surrender the things that matter most to us. And I think one of the things that was helpful was because I took chances in surrendering in these different areas and God proved Faithful, He gives me more faith when I come to a new season of surrender. And you guys may be thinking like, yeah, yeah, Christina, you've lived through these great things already and God's proven faithful. But what about me? When I'm in the thick of it right now, when I'm trying to figure out how to surrender right now, and I don't know it's going to work out in the end. And I want you guys to know that's where I'm at right now, too. I'm in a new season of surrender in my life. In my personal life, I had planned to go a really certain way, right? Queen of the spreadsheets. I knew how many years I was going to be married and how many years before I had kids and how many years before we would do this in our jobs and lives. But I have always had some health struggles. I've had chronic migraines for a really long time. And a few years ago, my health got crazy. In 2015, I got a kidney infection and then the flu and then a sinus infection. And then I had a really dangerous allergic reaction to antibiotics. My face, my throat, my lips, all this stuff swelled up. And it took me over two weeks on like chemo level steroids and antihistamines to get my reaction to calm down. And at the end of that treatment, I got in a car accident. I got rear ended on the highway. So, like, if my body wasn't hurting enough already, let's add a car accident to it. And I wasn't healing. My body was not getting better. And so a few months later, the doctors were trying to figure out what's wrong. They realized I had a fracture in my L5 vertebrae in my spine. They said it's never going to heal. It's just in a place where it moves too much. Now, I believe in God's healing power, so I'm holding out faith for that one. But it was starting to get kind of weird. A couple months later, I developed this huge lump in my right breast. It turned out to be three cysts stacked on top of each other. So clearly, the doctors were like, something's going on with your body. A couple months after that, I was in this really stressful situation, and I got shingles. That's like an old person's disease, guys. I was like, what in the world? I had this rash. It is so painful because it's a nerve condition. So it's shooting pains all through my neck and shoulders. And they were like, you're young. It'll go on away in like less than two weeks. took over two and a half months for the pain to start to subside. That was 2016. I had my other little things, but in 2017, Brian and I went to Thailand, and we were going on a mission team for a month and decided to go out a week early to celebrate our anniversary in, like, the beautiful beaches of Thailand. And I ended up getting a UTI from actually the States. I, like, had some stuff going on there. Came to Thailand, got some antibiotics. The doctors were amazing, but I had a really, like, life-threatening reaction to the antibiotics in my hotel room too far from the hospital. And I almost died. Like I remember looking up at the ceiling and thinking, "This is it. Like this is the last thing I'm going to see. This is like stupid ceiling in a resort. I'm not even looking at the beach. Like, I'm like too sick to move." And God did amazing things. He saved my life through my husband and through medicine. Amen. But my body never recovered. And so, what went from being chronic migraines became daily migraines. Became. Extremely Extreme fatigue, muscle weakness. I have a fever every single day. I'm like, my body could not figure out what was going on. And I've spent the last few years going to tons of doctors trying to figure out what's wrong with my body. I had a, a mainstream medical doctor say, you're at the end of the line. There's nothing else we can test for. There's nothing else we can do for you. And I had no answers. Like it wasn't like I was on a course of treatment. We have spent thousands and thousands of dollars trying to figure things out But that wasn't my plan for my life. I didn't plan to be this sick. I didn't plan to miss out on all these things because of my health. And right before this really dangerous reaction, Brian and I had decided we wanted to start having a family. And I haven't been able to do that. And the doctors have no idea when we'll be able to start trying to have kids because right now my body's too sick. And so sometimes we're in the thick of it. And we can't figure out, like, how do I surrender when it's so hard and it's so not what I planned? And I want to read this scripture in Ephesians 6. Our last scripture. It's helped me so much. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. This is about the armor of God. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes you will be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And I love this passage because, again, it doesn't tell us to be strong in our own strength. Right, it tells us to be strong in God's strength, and one of the ways we do that is when we surrender our plans to Him. And I think one of the things that happens is we can forget what battle we're really fighting. Right, when we feel like I need to be surrendering, we can think, "Oh, I'm fighting against that girl who called out my sin," or I'm call, like surrendering against, "Oh, that like girl who like told me I need to change my life," right, or the ministry, or the leaders, or the culture, or the rules. You're not fighting against any of those things. You're fighting against Satan and the evil forces in this dark world. And so when you're fighting to surrender, you're actually fighting to be on God's side. But a lot of times we think, oh, because I became a Christian, I don't have to worry anymore about, like, fighting all that stuff. I'm just not on Satan's side. But it doesn't mean you pick to be on God's side. It doesn't mean that you're armed for battle. And you think that's one of the things that we have to do. When we're fighting to surrender, we need to wrap ourselves in the belt of truth. And in this time of being sick, I've had to memorize scriptures when it's been hard to memorize. i like, I was diagnosed with three different types of Lyme disease and a whole set of other things just this past summer. And it's hard to memorize things when your brain's really foggy. So if I can't do a whole scripture, I remember a one-liner, something that I can, like, Google really fast and make sure I get to the scripture. But I need scriptures like my times are in your hands. Psalm 31, verse 15, you need to memorize to put on the belt of truth, to remember God's truth and not Satan's lies. The breastplate of righteousness, you've got to be righteous, right? Too many of us get lost in our sin when we're compromising for our plans, and we need to be righteous. Says a righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from, his all, from them all. In Psalm 34, verse 19, Her feet fitted with readiness. When we're having a hard time surrendering, it's hard to feel willing to go after whatever God has. One of the scriptures I've memorized this year is restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That's Psalm 51, verse 12. We've got to figure out things that are going to help us to be ready and willing. Take up the shield of faith, right? Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And you don't see how God's going to work things out, but you have to be sure that you hope God's going to move in an incredible way. The helmet of salvation. In Luke 10, 20, it says rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And if you don't know if your name is written in heaven, if you're not confident that you followed the scriptures for God's salvation, have someone study it out with you. The scriptures are really clear and they can help you to put on the helmet of salvation and be really confident in that. The sword of the spirit. And it says that's the word of God. We have to decide to fight with scriptures and knowing scriptures and being able to live them out in our lives. And then it says with prayer. Right? One of my favorite scriptures is Philippians 4. The whole chunk, 4-7. through 7, But I love that it says don't be anxious about anything. But in everything with prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And it goes on to say God's peace will guard you, but I love that we can pray for anything. And I will tell you, when you're trying to surrender your plans, praying prayers of thanksgiving for what God's already given you, for what he's already done, really helps to build your faith. You can pray and petition God, but you have to do it with thanksgiving to keep your heart in the right place. But what I think is amazing is when we put on this armor of God, God gives us standing strength. When we're willing to sacrifice and surrender our personal plans, he gives us standing strength. That we don't just crawl out from under these hard things, but we stand up and know that we can glorify God. So when we're looking at coming alive in Christ, you can choose to surrender your partner plans and you can get a sensitive self. You can choose to surrender your professional plans and you can get surpassing satisfaction. And you can choose to surrender your personal plans and you can get standing strength. And those secrets of surrender are better than anything you could ever imagine, but they only come if you choose to come alive in Christ and surrender your life to Him. Thanks, guys.